it's like the front stage. I know Dan Sullivan, he talks about the front stage, backstage, and everybody enjoys the front stage work. But 90% of your time has got to be spent backstage to get to the front stage. It's so different than sports. They spend way more time practicing than they ever do playing in a tournament. That's where it's won or lost, in the backstage, not the front stage. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and boy, do we have an incredible guest lined up for you today. This gentleman is one of the leading thought leaders on the planet when it comes to helping folks in the business of real estate, growing their businesses, and taking them to the next level. He is also a fabulous podcast host in his own right, and I've had the honor of appearing on his show. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Richard Robbins. Welcome to the show, Rich. Wow, Nikki, that was quite an intro. That sounded so good, I thought maybe my mother wrote it. <laughs> God bless you, man. God bless you. So good to have you here on the show, man. You know, you are one of the people that I truly, truly respect the most in the space of thought leadership. And the reason is you actually do the work of thinking. You know, many, many years ago when you and I first met, you said to me, Nikki, the hardest work in the world is thinking. That's why so few people do it. And I went, I remember thinking, man, this guy's right. He's absolutely 100% correct. And I'm so glad you're here on the show. And my listener comes to listen to the guests on the show because they're a hero. They're a shero. They're an entrepreneur with a vision, with courage, that's going out there into the marketplace every day and fighting the good fight. And they listen to the show because they want to learn from you. They want to be able to be taking the advice you give them and the inspiration from your incredible story to fortify them to go out there and win their daily battle. In order for them to be able to do that, though, brother, they need to get to know you. They need to get to know and love you the way I know and love you. So tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great Richard Robbins? Okay, well, I will. Well, first of all, I don't know about the great part. But anyway, I was born and raised in Peterborough, Ontario. That's about 90 minutes northeast of Toronto. I, um, I actually went to uh, college for about three months, and I left a little bit early, and that wasn't because I graduated early, if you know what I'm saying, but it just wasn't working out. I actually started, believe it or not, uh, when I finished school or when I left after three months, my, uh, my dad said, that's fine, but he says, you better get your butt to work. So what I did was I actually started bringing in transport truckloads of logs, and I rented some space behind an auto dealership, and I rented a splitter. This is back when wood stoves were very popular, and everybody's trying to save money in gas or oil. And what I actually did was I, I used to cut them in 12 or 18-foot lengths. I hired some people. We split them. I advertised, and I, I started selling wood. That's how it all got started. 
Um, worked for my dad for a few years, got a real estate license when I was 24. When I was 27, I moved to Toronto. I opened a real estate company. I can tell you stories of boring on MasterCard to pay Visa. I finally we figured it out, my partner and I, Dana Richard, um, and we grew the company out of the highest production per agent of any company in the trading area, and that was just by investing in our people, making our people great. Um, and then in 1999, I started Richard Robbins International with a sole focus on helping real estate agents build a business that fully supports the life they want to live. So that is a very quick overview of my journey. That's quite the story. I had no idea you started off your career as an entrepreneur, as a log splitter. How cool is that? Yeah, it was, it was, um, it was necessary because otherwise I'd get kicked out of the house. So I had to figure something to do. <laughs> my dad saw me working. And my dad, by the way, he was an entrepreneur as well. He had uh, three service stations in Peterborough at the time. And even though I was doing the wood, I was also, he owned a four-wheel drive. I was also, I rented his truck in the winter and I snow plowed and I, I bought my first house when I was 21 years old and I made all the money for the down payment snow plowing. And I also worked for my dad at the same time. So I actually had about three jobs for probably the first, I don't know, three years of my working career. That's amazing, man. Wow. Yeah. Th that's quite the Horatio Alger success story. Eh? You, you, you <laughs> went out there, you did your thing, you, 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 you created a business for yourself, yet you still helped out your dad and you wanted to be independent, you know, that's such a powerful thing. And I think it's important for young people today to, to, to hear these kinds of stories, to inspire them to take similar actions out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my dad, my dad was very much my mentor. And actually, my dad ended up working for me, unfortunately, he passed away uh, three years ago this month. Um, I know, Nick, your dad recently passed away as well, which is always very, very difficult. It is. But my dad... Um, got involved with Richard Robbins International and he actually became one of my coaches and then he was in charge of hiring and training my coaches for many years. So awesome. it sort of came full circle, which was great. And, uh, and I had the good fortune because obviously I've traveled a lot all over the world speaking and my dad had many opportunities to join me. He joined me in Europe. He's joined me, you know, all through the U S uh, but probably the greatest trip I got to enjoy with my father, I was invited to speak in South Africa and I took my dad along and we, uh, we got to spend some time together in South Africa. And he was quite an adventurer. He liked that sort of thing. So my dad had an amazing influence on my life, not only before I started the business that I have now, but during the business I have now, because he was one that really held me accountable. Like he, you know, in a very kind way, he always kept the pressure on me. And my dad's theory was that uh, if you have a great work ethic, you can overcome a lot of problems in your life. Your dad was right. And um, first of all, God bless you and God bless your father. It's, uh, it's interesting how both our fathers passed away in the month of February. Mm -hmm. um, it's a wonderful thing to have a great man like that as an example and as a prod to reach out and become the best version of yourself. And I, I really want to applaud you for doing this. I'm, I'm hosting a... Um, uh, an event virtually these days in April. And um, by the time this podcast comes out, the event may have already happened. But one of the things that um, I'm very excited about is there's an alumnus of our thought leader program. His name's Matt Conway. Uh, and he's originally British. And he, he created a system teaching uh, sales professionals 
how to get access to CEOs and C-suite decision makers, right? And uh, he's been very successful in his work as a thought leader in this area. And his young son, Will, who I think is just 21 years old right now, approached his father with the idea of taking all that wonderful expertise and turning it into an ongoing video-based online course. And and that tickles me pink because he and his son are going to actually speak to my guests and members about this business they started together as father and son. Like, how cool is that? Hey, Rich? Yeah, amazing. Absolutely amazing. You know, I think, you know, it sounds like, you know, the the people you're talking about, and I know your situation that you had a lot of respect for your dad as well as I did. I think we were lucky. And what I mean by that is that not everybody has that type of relationship with their, their father or their mother, for that matter. So I think in many ways, you know, we were very, very blessed. You know, I feel so bad because I, you know, I, I have many friends. One comes to mind very quickly that he never had a great relationship with his father right up until his father died. And they didn't talk the last few years. And a lot of it was to do with alcohol, unfortunately. So I feel so blessed. And I know you feel the same way. I do. That, um, you know, that you can have that type of relationship. My dad, my, my dad was, you know, truly one of the most amazing people uh, in terms of he had this ability to hold me accountable in a way that I don't think anybody else could. I remember one day I was doing a speaking engagement and he did it in such a kind way. So after I finished, we went out for dinner that night and uh, we're sitting there and he said to me, he said, let me ask you a question. He said, when you're on stage, you think it's important that you look good physically. I said, yeah, I do. I said, you know, I think it's really important. I said, you want to do the best to set an example for the people you're speaking to. And, you know, obviously I think, you know, health is important. And he said, well, then you should take your jacket off and look in the mirror. I'll never forget. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> when I did that, you know, I was getting a little bit of a belly down there, right? <laughs> and uh, living the good life, I guess, a little too much. <laughs> it was sort of funny. So I remember I went back to my hotel room and I, I looked, he said, yeah, he's right. You know, it, it's, he said, hey, it's totally up to you. You decide how you want to handle it, but you got to decide, is that an important message or isn't it? Uh, or maybe he was saying subconsciously, leave your jacket on. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> I, got, I got the message. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, my, my father uh, always found a way to, to, to push me to be the best version of myself, too. And, and I love him for it. Uh, and, and I do that for my sons, too. Sometimes in this day and age, uh, <laughs> Uh, I, uh, I find that I need to be a little more firm with them because they both talk back. Like my oldest boy is 15 years old right now and and he's quite the athlete and he's quite, quite the student, but he just wants to be with his friends and he wants to like, uh, play games with his friends, you know, do, do, do the whole Xbox thing with his friends. And sometimes you just, you just got to lay down the law for kids. And I think it's really important that they start to appreciate what, what's going to allow them be, to be successful in early age. Um, it sounds like your father did that for you. That's a wonderful thing. Yeah. You know, I think the key is, Nikki, to, like, like you're talking about your son, is that my kids are a little older, 28, 26. I'm very blessed. They're doing very well. My daughter, the oldest, works for us, actually, my wife and I. My son's in Calgary working for actually my best friend, which is which is absolutely amazing. That's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And I thought, you know, when it comes to, you know, raising children, which is a very difficult thing. And unfortunately, as parents, when we have kids, there's no manual, right? You know, you're doing it for the very first time. 
And uh, my wife said something one day. She goes, you know, because I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a bit of a disciplinary, but I, you know, not too tough sort of thing. But she says, it's okay to discipline our kids, Rich. She goes, and I think it's absolutely necessary. She goes, let's make sure we're disciplining them for them, not for us. I'll never forget that. And I thought, you know, that's a really good point because you can sometimes discipline your kids because you're trying to satisfy your own need. Maybe you don't want them to be noisy because you're trying to watch, you know, whatever it is, right? But you're doing it for you, not for them. Hmm. And as long as you're trying to make a decision that's going to make their life better, I think that at the end of the day, they receive that message very, very well. Maybe not at the time, but they will at a certain period in their life. And I know with my dad, that was the case. I can look back and say that everything he did was for me. You know, he wasn't trying to get me to do things for him. God bless your heart and God bless your father's heart, man. That's absolutely fantastic. So what made you decide to get into real estate? Well, it's, I had a friend, uh, his name was Terry Windrum and he was in the insurance business. And at the time I was doing the snow plow and I wasn't doing the wood anymore. I did that for two years and I was uh, working with my dad at the gas stations and I actually had taken over one station myself and now I'm running one. I had about, I don't know, 20 some employees. I think at the time I was 23 years old and um, I used to play squash with this and, you know, we played squash and we'd sit out after a game, we'd talk and I discovered he was in the insurance business. And then we walked out one day and he's getting his BMW and I'm getting my Datsun 500 that I think I painted with spray bombs from Canadian Tire or something like that. And um, then he invited me to his place for dinner. And, I, and he was, he was you know, maybe three, four years older than me at the time. And I go to his place for dinner. He's got this beautiful home and I'm living in an apartment. And so anyway, I just started to talk to him about success. And he said that he had been in sales since he was 17. And he said, you know, the great thing about sales, if you're selling something that is valuable, Right. He said, it's not just about the sales. You got to be selling something that's valuable to the people you're trying to sell it to so that you can, you know, feel comfortable, you know, pitching. And he said that there's no limit. And he said that if you look at, you know, the top five percent of people that earners in the world, they're probably in some form of sales in some way, shape or form. Right. Um, you know, even a CEO of a company is always selling. That's what they do. So yeah. anyway. I got thinking about sales. Of course, he wanted me. He was sort of trying to uh, maybe a little bit recruit me into insurance, but I couldn't imagine selling insurance. I just couldn't imagine sitting at somebody's table and talking about, well, we're going to do this in case you die early or in case you you know, become disabled. And I was driving. I used to drive around back then. We used to drive around and check prices of the other gas stations. So there was almost a daily routine because our goal was to be the lowest price. We didn't have to be lower, but we had to be as low as anybody else in town. So we had this route that we'd have to do it once a day. We'd drive by a number of gas stations that we knew had lower prices. We'd check their prices because, you, you know, there was no internet back then or computers. And I used to drive by the Century 21 office on George Street in Peterborough. And I used to look in the parking lot and I saw these, you know, cattle back then. They're all Cadillacs, right? And they had these big, long Cadillacs and big, long Lincolns. And they all seemed to be dressed nice with ties. And I'm going, now I could sell houses. Right. So I ended up meeting the manager, Don Harriman, and he ended up paying for my real estate course. And the rest is history. That's how I got started. So it wasn't a master plan. I liked the cars they were driving and like they were addressed. <laughs> I love it, man. You, you know, isn't it funny? So many successful people I talk to have a story similar to yours. There was no big master plan. They just were out there grinding it out, grinding it out, grinding it out, 
and all of a sudden, preparation met opportunity, also known as luck, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. That, that's how they got into it. That's fantastic. So you got into real estate, you found a way to be the best at it. Talk about that journey. I think that's a valuable one for my listener to hear. Yeah, well, Don Harriman, who is a terrific manager, we're still great friends to this day, even though that uh, I moved to Toronto when I was 27 years old. But he he had a training program. There's five agents starting at the same time. And he said that the, the number one reason that a salesperson will fail is their inability to generate leads. And I'll never forget that as long as I live. Like It's still one of my teachings today because it's true. If you have lots and lots and lots of leads as a business, then what you can do is you can qualify the leads very, very well and make sure that the people that are interested really need your type of service and have a high degree of motivation for that service, which means you can work with people that have you know, a strong motivation to buy or sell, which means they're going to make a decision quicker, which means you can move on to the next sale quicker, that sort of thing. And he said, so you've got a prospect. And back then, they used to call it dialing for dollars. Like, it's, it's not very popular now because it's more difficult to do. So what we used to do is I used to prospect on the telephone for three hours every morning from 9 to 12. We had from 12 to 1 to lunch, and I had a door knock from 1 to 4. And I literally did that every day for a year. That's what I did. Wow. And then, then if I was going to show property, I'd show property at night. I'd show property in the weekends. I used to do two open houses on Saturday, two open houses on Sunday. I do like, you know, one from 12 to 1.30 and one from 2 to 3.30. And what I really did was back then I was single. I, I had nothing else to do. And I, I really wanted to be financially successful. Like I, my, my family was, you know, middle class, done okay, but nobody had ever really taken her over the top financial. I don't think anybody had an ambition to do that. But for whatever reason they did, I really wanted to do well financially. And I've always enjoyed nice things. Now, I must admit, you know, now that I'm 59 years old, I've reversed my thinking a lot of that a little bit. It was just young, immature, chasing the almighty buck sort of thing. But anyway, so I doubled down on everything. I thought to myself, well, if they're doing one open house, I'm going to do two. Right. And Don used to say, you know, you can either prospect for three hours in the morning or door knock for three hours in the afternoon. I did both. Because I said, if I double down, if I do twice as much as the other four people, right, then chances are I'm going to have more leads. If I have more leads, I'm going to get busy. And, and uh, yeah, my actually my first, you know, I'm bragging a bit, I guess, here, but my first full year, I'm 24 years old, came from a middle-class family. This is back in 1985. My first full year in real estate, I'm $102,000. Wow. And like 102 back then, that's like, that was a Huge. Fortune. Yeah, and it was, it was just through, I, I wasn't good at what I did, Nikki. You know, my listing presentation wasn't great. I, you know, I wasn't good at qualifying people properly. My customer service would not have been very good. Like I, I was young, right? I'm 24 years old. All I'm thinking about is how to do another deal. And so it was just, to me, it was lead generation. And I found that lead generation will solve almost every single problem in sales. That's so true. You know, and I really appreciate you sharing that because there's a lot of people who are in the business of serving people. You know what I mean? Service-oriented mm -hmm. folks, a lot of coaches, a lot of consultants, a lot of speakers, a lot of authors, a lot of trainers, they, they are in love with what they do. You know what I'm talking about, Rich? Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. love it. They love coaching. They love speaking. They love creating podcasts and videos and this, mm -hmm. but they hate selling. 
I hear them say it all the time. I hate selling. I hate it. I I don't want to come across as salesy, you know, in quotation marks. I don't want to have be one of those people with commission breath. That's from my mentor, Mark Von Muser. And so they don't do it. They do everything in their power to avoid it. But business at the end of the day, any business, all business, is about solving acute problems for people. And people won't just do business with you if you put your name out there and say, I sell real estate or I do coaching. They, you need to have interactions with them. You need to have conversations with them. You need to show them that you care about the problems they're facing. And you need, you need to show them that you are willing to do what it takes to solve those problems. That is really what lead generation is in a nutshell. What are your thoughts it, on that? Yeah, no, it is. It's And again, I didn't know this early on, but you know, I've, I've got to understand the whole concept of marketing and lead generation to me is marketing. See, people sometimes get caught up in the difference between sales and marketing. And sales to me is where you're, you know, having a conversation with somebody and, and maybe you're pitching them, right? Or maybe they're pitching you. So they're in the sales position or you're, you're sitting one-on-one with somebody or whatever the case is. That, that to me is sales. Marketing is the generation of a lead. And what I find, especially in the real estate space, I go, listen, most agents are decent at sales. They could, a lot of them could be way, way better. Don't get me wrong, but you know, come on, they can go out to a property and you know, somebody finds a house they really like, they can help them, you know, negotiate an offer. You know, we get a very busy market right now. You get a listing and, and you know, the house is probably going to sell and, and they're okay at sales, but where I see the fall down, and, and this isn't just real estate, this is any small business, is they're terrible marketers. And, and you look at it and you say, well, back in my day, I was dolling for dollars. And that was really marketing. It was a form of marketing. Now, you know, that is more difficult to do today. There's, there's a lot of better ways to do it, obviously. You know, you got email marketing. You know, you can pay for online leads, social media. You know, we can go on and on and on about, you know, real estate. There's 17 different ways you can market to generate leads. So what I find is that for some reason, people, you know, they want to spend all of their time in front of people or talking to people and doing what it is they love. But I remember my first year when I, when I opened Richard Robbins International and I, you know, I started speaking. So I thought to myself, well, okay, I want to build a coaching business. And the coaching business is where, you know, I'll coach people one-on-one about, you know, what has worked for me. Cause the only, the only thing I needed then was what worked for me. Like now we've got this massive community that we're learning from each other all of the time. And, and in all fairness, you know, it's our customers that are now bringing the value. And I've just created the community. Where we can all come together. And we also have uh, coaches that work with them one-on-one. So I thought, well, if I want to get into the coaching business, then what I'm going to need to do is I need to do presentations. And then I thought to myself, well, I've got a few different ways to do a presentation. What I could do is I could call people up and meet them one-on-one, which is a form of marketing and trying to do your pitch, right? Or what I could do is I could start speaking. So let's say that I create a talk with a cool title and I send it out to brokers and the real estate brokers allow me to come into their office when they're having a meeting and let me do a 30 to 45 minute presentation. And my presentation is going to spend all except five minutes teaching, demonstrating to them, here's some things that'll work and and showing them exactly how to do it. So very educational, very value-based. And then the last five minutes, what I'll do is I'll share, you know, what our value proposition is and that what we can do to help them move forward faster. 
In my first year, I said to myself, I'm going to do 50 talks in one year. And I end up, I end up doing 51. So the interesting thing about that concept was, again, it comes back to the marketing. That was a form of marketing. So the most important thing I did was those 51 talks. And then at the end of the year, I was full. I couldn't coach any more people. And that's why I started to hire coaches. So it comes back to the concept is the most important thing you can do every single day as a business person is figure out how are you bringing leads in that is a predictable way and it's going to make you profitable as well. People can blow their brains out, spend money in marketing, right? But it's going to be profitable and it's going to be fully predictable. You know, if you do this, you can produce this results. And I think it'll, it changes any business. It really does. You know, this is, this is gold that you're giving us here today, Rich. This is something every person in business, whether they're a realtor, whether they're an aspiring thought leader or an actual thought leader, whether they sell a product or a service, this is something everyone needs to understand. And so few people do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's because we get caught up in the sexiness of what it is we want to do. Right. So the, the sexiness in real estate, oh, I'm going to take people and I'm going to show them really, really nice homes. You know, I'm going to, you know, I get to do it in a nice car. I'm going to get to dress up. And that was the sexiness that I seen. You know, I get to go talk to people what their home is worth and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and it's beautiful, right? It's no different than the, you know, the, to some degree, the sexiness of my business for a long time. We've been doing it 21 years and I don't do as much of this anymore, but you know, the sexiness was speaking, right? To bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger audiences. And you get to travel all the world and, you know, that was sexy, but where do you get the, where do you get that business? Right. So it's like the front stage. I know Dan Sullivan, he talks about the front stage backstage and everybody enjoys the front stage work. But 90 percent of your time has got to be spent backstage to get to the front stage. It's so different than sports. They spend way more time practice than they ever do playing in a tournament. That's where it's won or lost in the backstage, not the front stage. Brilliant, man. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. I'll tell you, I'm learning so much just from listening to what you're sharing here because I've never heard it articulated quite that way before. And what I'm telling you I'm doing as a result of what you're sharing with me, by the way, this is one of the great things about being a podcast host. I get to bring the smartest people in the world here on my show. And they they basically coach me for free for half an hour to an hour. You know what I mean? It's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's a two-way street for all of us, as you know. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. But here's the thing that I'm really, really clear on. I'm going to get together with my team, and what we're going to do is we're going to spend a lot of time defining what uh, our backstage processes currently are and what they need to be and what we can do to make them more effective. Because yeah, I love being at the front of the stage too, man. And I, I, I'm lucky I get a lot of opportunities to do this sort of thing. But it's so important to keep that backstage pump primed and keep it going. And I really, really appreciate you sharing this with us. So, Rich, tell me a little bit about the evolution of your business, how, how it continued to grow. Because yeah, you started off with just you. You have coaches right now that work for you, but there's so much more to Richard Robbins International than that. Please share that story. Okay. Well, when it started and it's been an interesting journey and it, it would not have happened without all of the mentors and all of the coaches and all the people that have influenced my life. Because as I said, you know, I, I, I don't have much of a formal education and 
I lived in work ethic for a lot of my life. I do not anymore, but I used to. And thank God I did because it wouldn't have worked without it because I wasn't, you know, wasn't strategic enough. So when we started Richard Robbins International, my wife and I founded the company together. We started it together and, and she's sort of operations person. You know, I'm sort of the sales side, that sort of thing. And we have very, very distinct responsibilities within the organization. I started speaking and I just said, okay, I'm just going to go out. And, and to me, it wasn't speaking. These were sales presentations that I would do for six people, 12 people, 20 people, 22 people. And they were just at real estate offices. And of course, once they heard my theories, then they go, hey, boy, that makes sense. You know, that makes sense. And back then it was all based on lead generation. That's how I started because I knew that was a differentiator for all the agents. That's what most of them spent little to no time doing. So it was all based on how to generate leads, how to generate leads, how to generate leads. Then people said, oh, that was really good, and then I'd introduce a coaching program at the end, and then I started coaching people. So at the end of the first year, I think I was coaching 60 people, 65 people, something like that. Plus, I was still doing a talk a week. Now, when I say coaching, I was only working with them every other week, okay, for 30 minutes. Um, so that's 30 people a week for 30 minutes, which sounds like 15 hours, but it's really not 15 hours. It's probably 25 to 30 hours. Yeah. Um, plus traveling to a talk wherever that was. And if, you know, I was doing roughly one talk a week, uh, but my wife was helping me. So I did, I did have a lot of help at the time. And then I, I, I got to the point that I had the golden handcuffs on. So I was, I was doing well financially, not, not crazy well, but I was okay, but I had no time left. So I started to think about, it. I said, okay, well, what is it that I love doing? And what is it that I think I'm best at? So in other words, what do I wake up in the morning excited about what energizes me? And when I'm doing it, other people seem to get a lot of energy from it as well. It was the speaking side of things. Yes. It wasn't necessarily the coaching. And, and to be honest with you, I didn't love the one-on-one. I, I was I was okay at it, but I, I didn't love it. It started to really bore me to just sit all day and have 30-minute conversations with people. So I thought to myself, I got to find people that are really good at this. So I hired my father and then my old partner, Dana Richard, we had the real estate company together. He came back as well. He, he got involved. And right now, we've, I think we've got about 20, 20 coaches all over North America that do coaching for us, all work with, you know, say 50 people. So I started thinking, okay, so now what I got to do is I've got to get great coaches. And, and the coach has got to be better than me, like way better than me at coaching. So it required a very unique personality. So we started to figure out how to hire them. And my wife was a big part of this, you know, hiring and training the coaches and everything else. And then the next step was I thought to myself, well, so what I'm doing is I'm doing like these keynotes. So it might be a 60-minute talk, 45-minute, 90-minute talk. The longest ones are two and a half hours. And all of a sudden, people are starting to phone us and they're asking us, hey, we heard about your talk, we heard about your talk. So then I'm thinking, well, maybe we could charge for the talks. We started charging 500 bucks and then it kept going up and up and up and that sort of thing. And the audiences started getting bigger and, <clears throat> and you know, then it was thousands of people. And then, you know, I've done one audience that was over 15,000 people and some big ones, right? Like some really, some really big ones. It, it started to really take off. So then the, the next challenge I was faced with is the, the managing the growth of the company. And so I started to hire people uh, that I thought were smarter than me. Uh, but they had different value systems, and I learned a really good lesson because I had some serious problems for a while in the growth because the company was, was it was growing like crazy, absolutely crazy. So we had some problems because we had we had different values, and so I had to make some very very difficult decisions because I was spending all my time speaking, and I was in the road traveling all over the world. It was like crazy, and all of a sudden this company had morphed into something that I had never imagined. 
and it actually had become something that I didn't like. So this was probably 10 years ago. And I had to make some changes. Believe it or not, what I did, I, I downsized it all. I said, whoa, 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 this isn't what I want to build. Like, I don't want to be, you know, that crazy big. What I want to do is I want to have an offering that absolutely blows people's minds. So it was all about building it out. Now I look at it and say, we got the most amazing coaches, Dana Richard. He runs a whole coaching division for me. We've got train the trainer products as well. And the, the value prop for our coaches, I'm, I'm involved in group calls, but not in individual calls. So again, it was leverage, leverage, leverage. What was I doing that I was really good at? That was, you know, marketing, speaking, that sort of thing, and surrounding myself with people that had talents that were way beyond my abilities. And I still think that's the success of any great business. It's true. It really is. This is brilliant, brilliant stuff, Rich. I'm, I'm loving this. This is fantastic. Okay, so you you built a fantastic company. You figured out what you're good at. You 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 did what every good leader does, which is you surrounded yourself with people who are better at things that you needed done than you could ever be, and you built yourself a, a wonderful company. Awesome. And then along comes the pandemic of 2020. The world changes entirely. There's a lot of uncertainty in the air. So. How did you cope with that? And what would be your advice to my listener on how they can operate in this new environment and still win? You know, I feel so sorry for many businesses. We have done really, really well through the pandemic. We're so fortunate. However, when the pandemic started, I was in Florida. So I have a, a second home in Florida and I was in Florida. It was about the first of March. And of course, we're all reading about this pandemic and what's going on and and you have to remember that we were doing at that time over 70 events a year. Okay? So we got venues booked everywhere. And, and I, I, like we have other speakers that are doing trainings and uh, all that sort of thing. So we got all these other speakers that are on the road doing all these trainings. But we got all these venues and we're going, well, people aren't be going to venues anymore. And my wife was at home. And she called me and she goes, Rich, are you worried? And I said, well, I don't know what to think yet. So anyway, I said, I'm coming home. So I jumped in a plane. I flew home. And at the time, I think we had 43 venues booked that we had deposits on. So we also realized we're probably not going to be able to do any of these events. So first thing we did is we got to start negotiating with these hotels because here we've made the investment in the venue and we're not going to get a return on investment because we're not going to be able to sell tickets. Now, luckily, the hotels were amazing. Every single one of them except one gave us our money back. It was like, so I'm, I'm so thankful to all those people, the way they handle it. And then the second thing we did is I said, we need to figure out the whole virtual world really fast. And we found a course. I wish I could think of the name of the course right now, but we found a three-day course, online course, where they taught us how to do virtual events. And I didn't know that companies were already doing virtual events. Like, it just wasn't my space. My space was like in-person events. So we found this company. My wife and I watched this three-day course, and we're going, are you kidding me? We can do all this virtually. This is amazing, right? Now, we didn't know if we'd be able to sell a ticket to it because we do, you know, a couple pretty large events where we sell tickets to our events every year, like public events. So anyway, we put on our first one in April of last year, and we said, let's keep it really, really small. Let's only do about 300 people and make sure we can pull this thing off. So we literally went into a studio and had about four cameras, had a whole AV crew there. And we actually put on a two-day virtual event. 
And I think we ended up with 380 people at this event. Wow. And the feedback we're getting was, oh, this was really good. And, and we're going, wow. Like, and it, back then, I'm thinking, who's going to sit in front of the computer for two days? I didn't think this was possible. But this virtual is called Sage Events. That was the name of the company, Sage Events. They're telling us it's possible. So we pulled this van off. We got lots of new coaching members from it. I go, this is unbelievable. I said, well, let's do a big one in the fall because we generally do one in the spring, one in the fall. So we did one in November of last year, a virtual event. And I believe I'm guessing, I think it was around 1,580 people were at that event. Wow. And it was two and a half days long. We added an extra half day to it. And by and large, the audience stayed. We might have lost 100 people on the third day. But what ended up happening was our coaching conversion, percentage-wise, was as high as it's ever been in our company history. Amazing. So people into our coaching program. And here's what I discovered. And I would have never, never discovered this with a pandemic. First of all, that when you're doing a live event, there's a chat. So everybody that's already a coaching member is putting in the chat instant social proof. Oh, man, you got to sign up. Coaching's the best thing I ever did in my life. It's changed my life. It's changed my business. Instant social proof, like unsolicited testimonials. Love it. So we're sitting there, and we realized by the end of last year, we've got a whole new model here that is way less expensive, which means we can pass the savings on because, you know, we can charge less for a ticket. People don't have to go get on a plane. They don't stay in a hotel. And all of a sudden, we're bringing everybody's costs down because our costs are down, and the results we're getting were better than ever before. Now, saying that, we still have a lot to learn about how to do better events, and we'll probably go back to in-person events, but then there'll be a hybrid of virtual and in-person. But it was my wife and I sitting down saying, okay, let's see if there's a way we can do virtual events, because we knew we're in the event business. Like, the event business, to us, is what leads to our coaching program. That is our funnel. Yeah. And we've always been really good at events. Like when we put on an event, we want it to be a, like first class. So we thought, well, if we can figure this virtual thing out, we found this company, learned from this company, and obviously we pivoted very, very quick. And fortunately, it worked out for us. I'm not saying that's possible for every business out there, you know, businesses being shut down, which is insane. What's going on is just absolutely insane for it some people. Insane. It's so unfair. But we got lucky. But again, we just didn't sit there in our butts at home and say, oh, nothing we can do till the pandemic's over. We're going, hey, we got to get in the game here. We got a lot of people that uh, they're, you know, leaning on us to put on an event. So, you know, we figured it out. And it, it, and Nikki, honest to God, it, it, it's turned out to be an absolute godsend for us. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. You know, we, uh, we did live events on a way smaller scale than you did, but this really knocked us on our keisters as well. And it took us a while. We, we started doing things virtually, and it took us a while to figure out how to convert virtually into our programs because our programs can be pretty high ticket. Mm -hmm. And then what we started to do was we did some lower ticket programs. So I did this program called Winning 2021. And what it was was basically a very powerful goal-setting workshop. And then we had this, this thing that I do called The Power of Connecting. So... I've actually uh, written a book that's coming out soon with uh, Kai Bjorn. Kai is the owner of BNI Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and what we're doing is we brought people, we, we talked a bit about what 2020 was like. We talked a bit about what it's going to take to win in this new environment. We talked about doing virtual coffees and podcasting and so forth. And then my lovely better half, Teresa, Teresa did a very powerful goal setting 
and blueprint creation session with them. So, you know, she's been a top coach for Anthony Robbins for five years. So she, she knows a thing or two about how to do this sort of thing. So people were blown away. And at the end of that, I took everybody and I put them in a bunch of Zoom rooms and I gave them some very specific instructions on how to connect with everybody in there so that they would maximize the chances they had for having a virtual coffee after the event. Rich, that was the most popular part of the whole event, not the speaking part, not all the lessons they learned, getting together with other people and connecting and having networking meetings. It was incredible. And then we did that a couple more times. That led to a bunch of business. So, you know, listening to you talk about this goes, you know what? I need to do more and more of those, right? Because they really work. They get people to the table and that's how we become successful. So kudos for figuring this out, man. This is incredible. So what is your advice to someone listening to the show about what they can do in 2021 to still win, to still crush it in tough times? Yeah, I think like I think for everybody, and they've probably heard this over and over again, but you just got to be willing to innovate. And the thing is, is so many people just want things to stay the way they are. And unfortunately, whether it's the pandemic or whether it's, you know, 08, there, there's always something happening in our world that's going to change the rules. And you must be flexible. I, I was thinking about the restaurant business. And I guess just because I know how how much the restaurant business has been impacted. Oh, yeah. And there's, there's one restaurant not far from my house that they decided to do, like, I mean, great takeout food, like high-end takeout food. And they actually set it up where every five minutes there was a pickup. This is how busy they were because they didn't want everybody showing up at the same time. So you literally you drive in, right, around the back, and every five minutes they were, you know, giving somebody their food. And it was all done up really, really nice. They take your credit card in advance. They said to hand you the – and I'm going, how brilliant is this? They don't have any, you know, waiters or waitresses or servers or whatever the case is there anymore. And then I got thinking. I thought, well, think about this. Why? Why couldn't you now? Because the restaurant is in – very expensive space generally, right? Yeah, because it it's, you know, I thought, well, why wouldn't somebody actually now open up a high-end restaurant in really cheap space? It's just a kitchen. Yeah. And offer some form of offering that is a really cool experience where if you're having people over, you know, that, you know, they might deliver it, they even set it up for you and then they get it all done and then they leave because you could do it in really, really cheap space. And so I got thinking about that idea and I was talking to this, the restaurant owner about the idea and he goes, yeah, you're absolutely right. He goes, to be honest with you, we're doing as good as we've ever done with the takeout because our costs are down. So I, I looked at the restaurant business who in Canada, as you know, has suffered greatly because of the way the Canadian government is handling this. And, and I looked at it and said, if the restaurant business could figure out a model, any business can figure out a model. However, we got to think way outside of the box in terms of the way it used to be done. Like I never would have imagined if, if you took me back to January of last year, I never would have imagined that I'd be doing multi-day virtual events and getting a higher conversion percentage-wise into our coaching program. I, I never would have thought it was possible. Incredible. Right? So it's, it's about always innovating and innovate fast. Don't be waiting to see what everybody else does. Be the leader in innovation and, and don't you don't have to win like we did a very small event at first i said well let's try a small event see if this thing works because you don't want to win and lose your shirt over it 
but do something you can afford to do. And our customers, I'll tell you, our customers were amazing. And they said, you know, the way you guys pivoted was incredible. So they saw that we were trying, that we were going to be on the leading edge of things. So that alone sends a message to your customers that you're in the game in a big way, right? And I think that's one thing that's very important too, is you want to try just to show your customers that you're, you're innovating, you're ahead of everybody else, you're in the game. I think that's very, very important. It's very, very, very important. So Rich, if someone's listening to this show and they want to come attend one of your events or they want to find out about what you guys do, what's the best way for them to do that? I just go to the website. It's just richardrobbins.com. And everything we do, our podcast is on there, our events on there, our coaching programs, everything is sitting right there. And, uh, yeah, if they got any questions, there's instant chat right on our website. Our team would be glad to have a conversation with anybody anytime. You know, I love that, man. I think it's great. I'm, I'm on your website myself right now, and I'm looking at your podcast. And your podcast is one worth listening to. You know, the Richard Robbins show is a terrific show. I, lo- I love the branding. I love the logo. You've got some pretty amazing guests, right? Um, I, I see you had uh, Tom Story on. He's a real superstar in the real estate space. Uh, I see you've had Michelle Reese. She's, uh, I guess she must be Vivian Reese's daughter. That's uh, right. Oh, man. Vivian yeah. Reese is just just a powerhouse. Uh, yeah. I see that you've had on, hey, you've had on Waldo Waldman, man. That's a that's a fellow I've been introduced to that I've been meaning to bring on my show. That that guy sounds amazing. Yeah, you got to get Waldo on. He's, uh, he's an ex-fighter jet pilot. I know, man. That's cool. That's cool. That's super cool. And you've had the great Robin Sharma on your show. I think that's fantastic, man. It's phenomenal stuff. So, listener, you need to go to richardrobbins.com. You need to check out his events. If you're in the real estate space, man, you should become a client of Richard Robbins International. These guys are the best when it comes to coaching realtors and helping them take their success, their life, for that matter, to the next level. So make sure that you do that and you got to check out The Richard Robbins Show. He's an incredible interviewer. He has one of the best podcasts out there. And I'll tell you what makes your show so good, Rich. You take the time to research who you're having on. You think deeply about the kinds of questions you want to ask them. You ask really good questions and you make it fun. You know what I mean? And that's why I think my listeners should go check out your show. Thanks, my man. Well, it's good because uh, we've had you recently, so hopefully we're going to get yours released very soon. If anybody wants to learn how to do a podcast, that's what we talked about. So it was it was very exciting. It was a very educational for me, by the way. Thank you. Um, talking about, uh, because as we know, any business today should consider a podcast as long as they're somewhat mature. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, you need to have been in business. If you're starting right away, it may not be the right time to do the podcast, but definitely put it on your radar and put it as part of your plan. Podcasting is very important. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree. I'm really glad that you asked me the questions you did when I came on your show. I, I think that what I'm going to do is I'm probably going to do uh, a show where that's what we talk about is how to start your own podcast for folks. Because it, it, it's simple to do. I'm not saying it's easy it, because it's not easy, as you know, but it is simple to do. And if, if you hire great professional help, 
man, it, it can be as simple as you go out there and you do your interviews and then the professionals on your staff will take care of all the editing, take care of all the write-ups and uploading and all that great stuff. And I'm very grateful, Justin and Dave, thank you so much. I so appreciate you two for what you do. You are absolutely amazing. So Rich, we like to end off each and every single one of our episodes by asking you as our guest expert, what are your top three expert action steps? What are the three best pieces of advice that you have that you think my listener should implement right away to take their business or their life to the next level? Okay, that's a big question. I know. Um, Okay, so, okay, first is this. When I first started, uh, when I first started, all I did was work. You know, my dad, as he said, taught me work ethic. and, And I learned after about 15 years of that, that yes, it got me started. And if I had to do it over again, to be honest, I'd probably do it the same way. But what I've discovered since then is I believe that your business, as Michael Gerber said so well, your business should be a vehicle to enrich your life, not one that drains the life out of you. So what I have done for really the last probably 15 years is it's all about lifestyle to me. Like I, I look at it and say, like, I, I want this business to give me the lifestyle that I want. And it's not about working 50 hours a week or even 40 hours a week for that matter. It's about living your life now. I think everybody says, oh, I'm going to work really hard till I'm 60, 65, 70 years old, and, and then I'm going to go enjoy myself. I go, well, why wouldn't you enjoy the journey along the way? Like, I don't plan on retiring. I just want to, you know, keep working, but I want to keep doing all the other things that I get to do with my life. So I, I think that's the first thing is have a very clear vision of the lifestyle you want the business to give you and then build a business that will give you that. Number two is we all have superpowers. There are some things I'm more talented at than others, and I completely stay away from anything I'm not very talented at. Like, And it took me a long time to grasp that as well. And everybody says, well, you know, when you first start, you got to do everything yourself. I would agree you're going to go through a stage, but the quicker that you can just focus on your superpowers, whatever they may be, and then surround yourself with people that can do everything else for you. And I think one of the mistakes a lot of people make is, well, I don't want to hire people. You know, I don't want to have a, a lot of people on my team. And I said, well, the only path to freedom is people. The, the, the only path as a business person to freedom, when I say freedom, is I mean that, you know, you can have a decent amount of time off. You can maybe take two, three months, holidays a year. Like I take a week off every month. Every single month I take a week off. And that's the way I want my life to be. So that I get my three months off every year to go and enjoy all the things. That, well, that can only happen through people. So find your superpower, use your superpower, and surround yourself with people that are good at everything else. And then the third is this. <clears throat> Decide inside your superpower what are the three things that you can do with that superpower that will produce results? Because there's probably many things you can do with that superpower. And then I call it my big three. and Just focus on your big three. And do your big three a lot. Those are absolutely brilliant expert action steps, my friend. Thank you so much for sharing those with me. Pleasure. Oh, you're the best, man. Come back. I want to have you back on, man. This is awesome. We got to, we got to find ways to do more things together, man. I, I just so enjoy our conversations. Such a deep, rich conversation, you know? And uh, I've got a couple ideas. I'll share them with you offline. So, uh, listener. Rich Robbins is the real deal. He's a thought leader's thought leader. This is a man who became an entrepreneur at a young age, you know, worked with his father, which is so near and dear to my heart. And he's a man who got into 
the selling space in real estate, and then eventually just became one of the top thought leaders by creating probably the premier real estate coaching company on the planet. He has just done it and done it all. There's a lot you can learn from him. So here's what I'm telling you. You know, Andy Frisella uh, of the Real AF podcast says there's payment that he wants for listening to the podcast. And he says he doesn't charge for the podcast. He doesn't have a whole bunch of sponsors and ads on the podcast, and nor do I. But here's what I ask of you. If you got a lot of value from this show, please, please share it with people. Let them know what we're doing here. That's how you can pay us back by finding one or two people that you know that would benefit and get the same value that you got out of listening to this episode. So please do that. Okay. So pay it forward. That's the payment we ask for you listening to this show. Secondly, if you've been wondering to yourself, how do I live my life as the best version of me? How do I take my business from wherever it is right now to where I want it to be? That's a superb question for you to ask and for you to meditate on and think about. And here's what I have to say. So first and foremost, go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, anywhere else you listen to this podcast and check out all the resources that Rich has given you in richardrobbins.com. Go listen to his podcast, do all that. Make sure you take advantage of that. And then go to my website, eCircleAcademy.com, and here's a few free resources I want you to take advantage of. So first of all, my book, The Thought Leader's Journey, I'm offering it as a free Kindle download. So you don't have to go to Amazon and pay 30 bucks for it. Just go to eCircleAcademy.com forward slash TLJ book. eCircleAcademy.com forward slash TLJ book. So get the book for free for yourself that way. And then there's a free report we have on how to grow your expert business, six steps to grow your expert business. That's on the website. You just click a button, it says free report, you download that. And then there's a masterclass we have there on how to create a seven-figure expert business for yourself. So go and watch that masterclass. All this is free stuff. And here's the thing that we offer to you. If once you've taken advantage of all these resources, you still feel that you want some help and you're serious, and I mean serious, about taking steps to make 2021 your best year yet, there's a button there that says, book a free success call. What you do is you click on that button, you fill out this application form. That's my way of just making sure that you're serious. So fill out that application form thoroughly. And if you've done that, you'll jump on a phone call with me and you and I will have a powerful conversation together about where you want to go, what you need to do to get there, and we'll lay out a blueprint for you. And if once we've done all that, what we have to offer is the best thing for you, and you and I have come to that conclusion as part of that discussion, I'll offer it to you. And if it's not, I won't. And here's the truth. I say no to as many people as I say yes to in terms of making an offer to them. And it's important for you to understand that we're here to serve you we're also running a business, so take advantage of this opportunity for yourself and take advantage of the opportunity to get some of the best free resources out there. Rich, my man, it's a true honor to have you here on the show. You know, I really, really appreciate your time. Thanks, Nikki. Always enjoy our conversations, my friend. Yeah, me too. Me too. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only Richard Robbins, Go to richardrobbins.com. Check out the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com. And to take advantage of all the free resources that I told you about, go to eCircleAcademy.com. Until next time, goodbye. 
This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.